Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi. My co-host, Jay Ziak. How are you? Have you ever heard the uh, the tape of William Shatner getting sort of directed on how to do a voiceover? You ever heard that recording? No. Um, it's pretty good. Howard Stern plays it quite a bit. But it's basically he's doing a voiceover for a commercial, and there's some Weasley engineer running the running the session, and he chimes in and starts giving Shatner some advice on how to do the <laughs> to the part. And he basically sounds like you. You don't advise Shatner. I know. And he just tears him apart, but he does it in like this super smart ass kind of way. It's it's brilliant. You got to look it up. I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done. But we've got an album to review first. We sure do. I like that segue. That's my professional segue. That was pretty slick. Uh, We're going to review the album McKay or McKay or McKee or I don't know how the hell you're supposed to pronounce that album. It's the band Smile and their album is, we're going to say McKay, M-A-Q-U-E-E because Marquee wasn't good enough. They had to go with McKay. Cause all sorts of confusion for years to come. Hey and man, this was a suggestion the top Google, by you. Did the top Google result if you search for that word? So maybe they're smarter than both of us. That's true. Uh, if you make up a word and, and name your album after that, you are guaranteed to always be the top search result. Yep. Of course, there was no Google when they made this record. So they, they're visionaries. They're visionaries. They are visionaries. So this was a suggestion by you. This was something that you said, Tim. I want to review this record, and I said, Jay. That is an excellent idea. How did you come upon this? This is an album I got back when, about when it came out through the uh, the old BMG Music Club. I have no idea how I picked it out, but uh, I ended up with it. Listened to it a little bit when I first got it. You know, kind of dug it, but didn't really, you know, listen to it much after that. So I guess probably 10 years, maybe more, passed. Shoot, probably more than that. Uh, dug it back out again as I tried to go through my CD collection and get it all ripped to iTunes. And I gave it another listen and was really impressed by what they were doing for the time. thought, you know, it'd be good to see what you thought of it and uh, kind of pick out what, what you know, what they were doing. And, and uh, maybe I almost think that they were either part of a scene and I haven't done the research. Maybe you have. Hey, uh, luckily I have. They were part of a scene that was that was happening, and that's why they sound familiar, or they influenced other people. Well, let's let's get into their history real quick. Um, trio from Southern California formed in high school in '92, released a seven-inch in '94, signed to Headhunter that year, and recorded this album. They released it on Headhunter, and then it was re-released on Atlantic. The single was Staring at the Sun, which there was a video and push on radio and stuff. They did an EP and single for Sleepover in 95, and then another single for a song called Master Locks with some extra tracks in 96. The follow-up album came out in 98. Atlantic dropped them, so they, they were still with Headhunter, and it was released on Cargo Records. Girl Crushes Boy didn't do anything for a couple years. The drummer left. After that, they did a five-song um, demo, which they self-released in 2001, and they've never been heard from again. 
The drummer who left is named Scott Reeder. He went and joined Fu Manchu, which is a personal favorite band of mine. And coincidentally, there's another Scott Reeder who played bass in Caius. Whoa. Yes. So you put them together, and you have the makings of the greatest Scott Reeder rhythm section. <laughs> well, what's weird is that those are the bands on second listen, you know, 10 or 15 years later, that they reminded me of. And they didn't, you know, I was listening to Caius at the time that I got this, and I didn't really, I mean, obviously they weren't complete opposites, but I didn't really see them as being that similar. But now listening back, it's like they're like a more, more pop version of what Caius was doing on some of their early, early and mid-albums. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think of it because, I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I, I'm always I'm drawn in by, by albums that, especially three pieces, three pieces who sound big and they sound like they're playing in a room. And that's what this album sounds like. Like the drums have a really cool room sound to them. So you can kind of just put on headphones and just imagine like they're in the room playing because it sounds like that. And it, there's some double tracking a little bit here and there and some added percussion and things like that. But for the most part, it sounds like, you know, three guys standing in front of you just wailing on fuzz pedals and just rocking out. So what uh, what were your thoughts on it? You know, it's funny. I, I had no relationship with this record. I'd seen the album cover and that's it. I'd never listened to it. It's cool. I'm no idea what they sounded like. I would have to say, if I had heard this record back in the 90s, it might have changed my perceptions on music. Like, back in 94, 95, I started listening to bands like, I think I got the Wilco record then, and Sunvolt, and I started getting into, I guess you'd call it, alternative country, with the Jayhawks and Mm -hmm. Golden Smog, and I got, you know, way into that. If I had heard this record, I might have wanted to start a stoner rock band because <laughs> this record is so good for a debut by basically teenagers except for track four which is kind of a slow kind of buzzkill, and track 11 which i didn't care for i liked every song on this record i'm a sucker for a fuzzed out bass and a distorted just the mix sound is distorted to me yeah and i like that sound i'm a i'm a fan of fu manchu i'm a fan of Kaius. If you're a, uh, if you want to compare them to a modern band, I was getting Queens of the Stone Age as an obvious one, and then that, you know, heavy distortion. If the one thing that this band lacks, it's a little bit of personality, and a good comparison would be like the Dead Weather, that really heavy fuzzed out bass, and you know, sort of manic '70s riff rock that, you know, goes back to like Sabbath. that would be a comparison too. There's a song on uh, here where, um, speaking of contemporary bands, you wouldn't expect, but um, "Death from Above," um, track seven, yes. Jack Shrimp. There's a bass drum part uh, through that song that could very well be a, a "Death from Above" song. I mean, it sounds yes. like it was recorded maybe uh, two years ago. I mean, it's pretty crazy. That's the thing. This this record does not sound of that era. Mm-hmm. This sounds like a record that would come out now that people who are into Mastodon and Queens and I know all like the what you call indie metal now or hipster metal or whatever you want to call it they could get into this record and I wouldn't be surprised if those guys 
were listening to this and listening to Caius back in the 90s when they were teenagers and that's what inspired them to form you know the the, the bands that they're in now because you know, there are seven eight nine strong tracks on this record track I, I love the opening um, song not just because it has a great title rock anthem for the retarded teenage hipster population <laughs> that's the great. greatest title ever yes <laughs> uh, track two the opening drum and bass on track two really cool so simple but it's just the sound of it and just you know the way it's performed and it's just so powerful it's so cool the, the only knock i can you know really give to this band is sometimes the lyrics are irrelevant yep i would say um they fall know, in some get, <clears throat> 90s cliches you know yeah too. when i when i listen to like fu manchu i get a very clear idea of their identity not just through their sound but through their lyrics mm-hmm they are very consistent in terms of their themes, which usually involve skateboarding and getting high. And custom and vans. vans. <laughs> and custom vans. Um, with Queens of the Stone Age, you or know, you, Josh Home has a really uh, has has a lyrical consistency to his songwriting. I didn't necessarily get that, and that's fine. You know, the, not everybody has to have songwriting prowess right out the gate. Uh, I did want to mention that. In doing some research, I found a CMJ, College Music Journal, um, issue that was scanned into Google uh, from August 95, issue 24. And this album was reviewed along with Caius's and the Circus Leaves Town, Chavez's Gone Glimmering, and Catherine Wheel's Happy Days. So that was a pretty good month mm-hmm. for rock albums, August of 95. Yeah. And there was also a cool little article about two-page article by Ron House of Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments about the Columbus, Ohio music scene and what was going on at that time. It's the birth. The birth, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that you, you brought this record because I totally dug it. Well, there's certainly, um, I mean, you can't, you can't listen to this record and not hear moments of Nirvana, Mudhoney, the typical sort of 90s Seattle grunge stuff. But the thing that makes this band different is there'll be a moment where it's like that and then all of a sudden they'll do some weird chord change or melodically it's different or the way I was thinking about it is, you know, if it's like if Nirvana never listened to the Pixies but instead they listened to a lot more Black Sabbath, you know, this kind of like where this album would start to take you. Um, The musicianship is really... It's pretty surprising. You know, there's again, there's times in this album where you're like, oh, you know, I get it. It's going to be these these simple riffs and stuff, and all of a sudden another song comes up, and they're playing chords that are just like bizarre, but they're really cool. You can see the promise of you know where this band will go in '98, which I've I've just 
become aware of our, our friendship shared that that album with us recently and i've been listening to that and um you can hear the um you know the seeds that would grow into that in terms of you know they're trying to write pop songs which was a little different pop pop rock songs you know they're trying to keep them under four minutes trying to figure out some hooks trying to figure out some riffs which is pretty different than what say Caius was doing even Queens of the Stone Age early on you know that that wasn't really the point of those bands um well Queens was or uh, Caius was a lot more experimental yeah oh yeah absolutely you get a heavy three minute four minute rock song from Caius and then you get like an eight minute acoustic sitar jam yeah you know with weird wah-wah pedals and, and stuff like that so um this is definitely more on the pop end and they're more that. up-tempo than I think what Caius usually is too I mean there's some songs on here that, that are moving pretty fast and you know have a little bit of a punk element to them he definitely find, he, you can tell on this album he's trying to find his voice he hasn't quite figured out what his voice sounds like so he kind of does this gruff low almost like it meshes with the, the bass fuzz and the guitar fuzz it all meshes together into one which is kind of neat but the, the, the album that came out in 98 it almost sounds like a different singer pretty pretty crazy i haven't listened to that yet i was waiting for when to when we actually got to uh reviewing it so i'm looking forward to hearing that one did you looking forward to did you uh uh, singles where these are what's that i'm I'm looking forward to to digging out these um singles that came out in between the albums because they're not there there's a good like eight or ten songs that aren't on either of the records good luck finding those yeah one thing i i (laughs) <laughs> that I, I noted here was that the last song, which I think is the longest, I don't know if you noticed it at the time you listened to it, but go back and listen to it again. It sounds a lot like Blinker the Star. Really? Or Ken Andrews sort of like stuff of that time, especially the first Blinker the Star, which is a little bit, you know, edgier, a little bit, you know, rawer. Right. Yeah, definitely look, check that song out again and, and, and see if you think that. I mean, vocally, he sort of sounds like him, and the, the melodies and stuff are very similar. So, And that's sort of like where the album ends, and it's kind of a different place than, than what most of it's like. Hmm. Now I have to go back and check that out. Well, I think we've reached a consensus. This is a pretty kick-ass record. Yeah, it holds up really well. I mean, I, I, yeah. I shared it with a friend, and they had no idea it was recorded in, you know, 94 or 94 five or whatever yeah i think anybody who's a, like we brought them up a number of times if you're a fan of queens of the stone age fu manchu Caius, this is going to be right up your alley so i would definitely recommend picking up this record which i believe is available for one penny on amazon.com right now <laughs> like most of the records we review how does that even cover shipping i well you know the shipping's you know $12. Oh, okay. So you basically yeah. paying shipping. Unless you're an Amazon, isn't it like Amazon Prime if you're a member? Oh, yeah. yeah. I am a Pri- I'm shipping. a Prime member, so I could get it for a penny. You can get it for a penny. There you go. In two days. Two day, free two-day shipping. I can have a second copy. Uh, boom. There you go. All right, Jay, thanks for bringing this record to me. I appreciate it. It's a good record. I'm going to be listening to it for a long time. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of Dig Me Out. Before we start, I'd like to say that we're all done. Remember what we started for, remember it was fun. Visit the Dig Me Out podcast at digmeoutpodcast.blogspot.com 
join our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at Dig Me Out Podcast. Mm-hmm.